Well, may I seize the opportunity to wish you all an incredibly happy new year. Now look, as we leave behind what, let's face it, has been a pretty tumultuous year, what I want to do today is simply walk us through some of the highs and lows of the last 12 months before then making a few quick comments about where I think we are at the moment and how at this point in time I see the next year panning out. And then right at the very end, I want to draw out several lessons from a story in Acts chapter 14 that I reckon has something pretty important to show us about what God is calling from us in 2021. But first of all, let me take you back almost 10 years now to Friday the 11th of March 2011, when, if you know your history, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake struck off the coast of Japan. It was the most powerful earthquake in Japan's entire history. To compound matters, the tremors triggered a huge tsunami. Some of the waves were 132 feet high, that they reached up to six miles inland. Entire communities were swept away. People were, were literally clinging to the roofs of their homes. Over 15,000 people lost their lives. Countless others were injured. If you remember seeing the footage, it was just terrifying. Now, in the aftermath of all this, one of Japan's most famous artists, Ryushi Sakamoto, heard news of a grand piano that had floated away and somehow managed to survive. And in the days that followed, a short film was made of him travelling to see this piano. After something of an epic journey, he finally walks into this flood-damaged room and on the stage is the piano. He walks up to it with a kind of reverence and explains to the camera, I've come to hear whether a sound can still come from it. The piano is warped and battered but he gently plays it. And in the midst of all this devastation comes something of beauty. And I think, in some sense, that is the experience that many of us are facing right now. Let's be honest, we've felt almost everything we love shaken and swept away, haven't we? But by the grace of God, our church has survived. And here on the stage of history is our little church. And as we enter 2021, I think the question we need to be asking is what sound is going to come from the master's hand out of our community? If you just cast your mind back 12 months if you remember, we, we started 2020 so strong, didn't we? We began the year by launching our three sites as churches in their own right, appointing a whole 
bunch of new elders in the process and we had all kinds of plans for how we were going to build on this to kick things off we we preached this series on what it means to be part of the church culminating in a rallying call to commit to being together but then covid struck and in an instant the whole world shut down it's like everything changed covid separated people and we haven't been able to be together since it's like completely out of the blue this tsunami of uncertainty swept over us how long will it last what if i catch covid what what happens if we run out of toilet paper or cauliflower or broccoli or lettuce what about my exams will i ever be able to go on holiday will will i still have a job at the end of all of this when will i see my family again what's going to happen to christmas how long will it take to find a vaccine and when can i get it and the reality is before the pandemic struck we didn't actually have a whole lot more certainty we thought we did but we didn't what we had was more a case of a greater sense of predictability where it was way easier to make longer term plans but suddenly we found ourselves living in this world where even short-term plans are likely to be ripped up shortly after we made them living with that level of unpredictability it just gets deeply frustrating after a while doesn't it not to mention being pretty exhausting and then on top of all of that We've had to learn a whole new vocabulary. This has been a year, hasn't it, of bubbling, furloughing, zooming, social distancing, lockdown, circuit breaks, face masks. If truth be told, I don't think I'd ever used any of those words before, but now I don't think a single day goes by without them creeping into conversation. And then, in the midst of all of that, racial injustice which had been there for generations violently came bursting to the surface in the immediate aftermath of the brutal killing of George Floyd uh, I remember being in a conversation with a number of leaders from black majority churches in our city and thinking this feels different It, it kind of felt like a bit of a tipping point where people began waking up to the enormity of historic racism uh, and suddenly seeing the urgency of speaking up and acting for change it's like covid had destabilized people enough out of their normal lives to begin hearing a little more differently now i know that uh, a lot of this is really quite hidden and most of the time goes unseen but i just want to say i'm so grateful for the friendships that i have among pastors in this city where behind the scenes there's this web of prayer and discussion and care and support going back many many years now, and the more we've chatted and prayed together over the last few months about the deep-rooted problems of racial injustice I think it's fair to say there's been this growing commitment together to not allow this moment to be wasted and to try and work together for change, lasting change in our city. Now all that to say, I'm aware how incredibly challenging this year 
has been for so many of us. But I'm so grateful for the way the church has responded. For starters, the generosity has been stunning. Almost £12,000 was given straight away into a COVID fund, which has been used over the last few months to give one-off gifts to support people in our church who are out of work, to provide mobile data to people who couldn't afford it so that they can stay connected with the church online, to help a youth work uh, in a poorer part of our city and to supply provisions for churches in a remote part of India. I love the generosity of the church. On top of that, I love the way we've taken ground in prayer through this season. We've had more people praying more regularly than ever before. And I tell you, as we enter a brand new year, this is definitely something I want us to keep on growing in. Because here's what I know. When it feels like there's so little we can change with human strength, we are crying to a God who can break in and do anything. And so our prayers are never wasted. Or to put it another way, praying is absolutely the best thing we can be doing with our time at a time like this. I've also been deeply encouraged by our community groups that launched during those first weeks of the first lockdown back in March. been so delighted over the last few months to hear person after person speaking with so much fondness and enthusiasm about how their group has been a real lifeline to them during this time and how they've never felt so much part of the church family. I want to thank all of you who have overcome the challenges of Zoom and have said, you know what, despite all the faults, this is my church family and I'm just going to commit to making it work as best it can. And I particularly want to thank all of our amazing group leaders who have done just a stunningly good job. These are people who aren't just concerned about themselves and their immediate family. They're concerned for the group of people under their care. You know, it's one thing to navigate a crisis as an individual. It is quite another to navigate a crisis with the responsibility for the well-being, the lives of others. And I'm so grateful for the way our community group leaders have stepped up and sacrificially given themselves to love and serve and encourage and support. I guess if we were all in the same room right now at this moment we would probably stand to our feet and applaud and you're more than welcome to do that wherever you're watching right now but better still why not send a quick message letting your group leaders know how much you appreciate them. Now look, so much more I could comment on the five new believers ready to be baptised in our East Site, 30 guests in our community groups for the recent wellbeing course, uh, over 25 guests at our recent Time for Tea Zoom Sunday afternoon, and then uh, hot off the press, the spectacular online carol service that uh, I think it's probably fair to say more people attended than 
any carol service in the history of Church Central. Despite all the challenges of the last year, I think it's fair to say God is still at work. And so, as we now look forward to 2021, what should we be expecting? Well, much as I'd love to paint a picture for you where everything quickly and smoothly returns to normal, I think it's going to be a year of regrouping and rebuilding. Having not been together for so long now, we need to simply regroup. We need to somehow find a way to get back together again. Now, We'll share more detail about this over the next few weeks, but we're still working incredibly hard towards creating the opportunity for smaller groups of us to meet in person on a Sunday morning. That being said, since we shared our plan a little while ago now for community groups to gather more locally on Sundays, actually we've struggled to find suitable venues. We also recognise that not everyone is ready for this quite yet. And so government restrictions and COVID mutations permitting, we're planning to utilise Central House as a stepping stone towards more of us being able to gather in due course. So for starters, we need to regroup. And then we need to rebuild where things have been damaged or destroyed. A bit like the aftermath of the earthquake in Japan. It's going to take a while for us to sift through all the wreckage. And I think we need to prepare ourselves for uncovering a whole lot of pain and brokenness, both within the church, but also in our city. You know, there are so many in our city who are so isolated and don't have any of the care, the love, the support, the encouragement that perhaps we take for granted within our church community. And so through this next year, I think we need to be asking how we can work together, not just to build stronger community within the church, but to look beyond the horizons of our own lives to the needs of the city around us. It's like we've been given by God this wonderful opportunity to create a relational safety net that many people who need care and support and love can fall into when they feel like there is nothing below them. Which leads us nicely to the last part of this talk when I want to briefly outline what I think this moment calls for from us. There's this scene in the book of Acts that I believe is a word for us in this season. The Apostle Paul has been preaching in various cities. He gets to one particular city where they get so angry with him that they stone him and drag him bleeding outside the city and leave him for dead. And then it says this, after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. 
Listen, this year has taken a toll on all of us. Some more than others, but we're probably all a bit bruised and battered, aren't we? As I look around and I see people's exhaustion, people who are just beaten down, people who perhaps lost their vision, people who feel like they can't go on, I think there's something powerful about the church gathering around those people and speaking life and encouragement into them, giving them the support they need to get back up again. The problem is, when we are struggling ourselves, it's a little harder to see the struggles of others, isn't it? And because of our own pain and our own challenges, there's perhaps the temptation to be ever so slightly more impatient or judgmental or unforgiving or harsh with others. And so I want to appeal to you to work extra hard this year to show grace to your brothers and sisters in the church. When we see someone in the church family struggling, let's not put the boot in by sending a negative text or criticising them behind their back or simply giving them the cold shoulder. Because the reality is, a lot of the time, we just do not know the pain that people are living with beneath the surface. So please, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's believe the best. Let's be generous-spirited. Let's be kind, considerate, thoughtful, and quick to forgive. So that's the first thing. This year, let's work extra hard at gathering round whenever we see need. And let's resolve to show people the love that we would like to receive if we were in their situation. That's the first thing. Second thing that strikes me about this account in Acts is that after the believers had gathered round Paul and helped him get back up, what did he do? He went back into the city where he'd been beaten up to the brink of death. Now look, I know this has been a hard year. I've got friends who, even during this time, have quit, who have said they can't keep going. And to be honest, there have been moments where it's made me question whether it's still worth it. But then I've tried to imagine this city without the church in the middle of it. And people ask me, well, whatever happened to that church? And someone answering, well, you know what? I think it just got really hard and they gave up. Listen, this is not a moment to shrink back. This is the moment for us to rise up May it never be said of us, it was hard. So we gave up. Don't get me wrong. I, I get the last nine months has perhaps left us feeling a little disconnected, not only from one another, but also from the vision, the direction of this church. 
I also understand that when you've been through a tough time, the natural instinct is to move away and try to have a fresh start somewhere else. And I certainly do not want to make anyone feel guilty if they now choose to move away. But I do want to issue a rallying call to rise up and go back into the city. Because if you know your church history, you'll know that God always, without fail, seems to move most powerfully through the church in times of crisis. I I tell you, this is where the church really comes into its own. I believe with all my heart that we have a tremendous opportunity in front of us right now. At a point where everyone has been exposed to the fragility of life, had so many of the things that they put their hope in deeply shaken. Now, perhaps more than ever before, at least in my lifetime, there is a massive potential for renewal and revival in our city. And so, rather than retreating, this is a time to rush in with the love of Jesus, the hope of forgiveness, the beauty of the church, and the freedom, the meaning, the security that we have in Christ. Historian Rodney Stark describes some of the radical ways that the early church lived this out. He writes, they looked after not only their own, but those outside their community as well. The Roman emperors recognised, however reluctantly, that Christians filled a role that they were not effectively filling themselves. And individuals were attracted to the security the church afforded, curious about what it was that inspired such generosity. The church was also essential in providing nursing care to plague victims, oftentimes at the expense of their own lives. The bishop Dionysius wrote that this was a form of martyrdom, whereas pagan elites and their priests simply fled the affected city, some even leaving family members behind. Christians stayed to provide food, water and friendship to their neighbours. And so, after consecutive epidemics had swept through a city, a disproportionate number of those remaining would either have been Christians or pagans who had been ministered to by Christians. Now, I don't know what you think, but I believe what Birmingham needs right now is a community of servants like this who are willing to step in and do the humble thing. Seeing the need, working to rebuild where things are broken, laying down their lives for the sake of others. Although our city probably doesn't know it, what it actually needs more than anything else right now is the Church of Jesus Christ. So I just want to say to you, wherever you are, If you feel like you're beaten up and can't keep going, rise up. This is the time. There's never...
been a better time to follow Jesus in our city because I believe we have this wonderful opportunity in front of us to shape the spiritual future of our city for generations to come. So my appeal would simply be, let's rise up and go back in. Returning to the story I told at the very beginning of Sakamoto sitting down at the piano on the stage. He rests his fingers gently on the keys and those in the room collectively hold their breath. This piano has survived an earthquake and a tsunami and now the master wants to see what sound it will make. He plays a few chords it's a bit strained, a little out of tune, but it's beautiful. And I think that's the moment we're in. We're on the stage of history. Jesus says, be my church. Broken, waterlogged, beaten up, a little out of tune. But we're still here, just about hanging on. Jesus would say, watch me orchestrate divine music through your community into the communities around you. Watch what I will do through you. Broken, but beautiful. Waterlogged, but still playing. You know, anything is possible when the master puts his hands on the keys. So let's surrender to him and his call on our lives in a fresh way. Listen, we're on the stage in our city. This is our moment, not to quit, not to give up, not to roll over, but to double down and push in and say, Jesus, whatever's happened, we're still here. Now make something beautiful out of our lives. And so, at the beginning of this new year, I want to encourage us to regroup, rebuild, gather round, and go back in. And as we resolve to do that, to regroup, rebuild, gather round, and go back in, let's remain open for God to cause something extraordinary to flow through our lives this year.